princess. For those of you who don't, what was that song? Oh, Cleve ain't in here yet. What was that song we sang? Love, that song we sang that you walked down the aisle to. Oh, to God be the glory. To God be the glory. When, when, when I married this wonderful woman right here, that's the song she walked down the aisle to me, too. And that's what I was saying. God be the glory for the things he has done. Shaka-ka-ka-ka-ka. All right, get focused, Jimmy. Today, oh say, can you see? I want to take you back to an ancient story, but before I do, I want to remind you in the book of Romans, it says this, that everything that was written before time, meaning in ancient times, was written for our instruction. God being the God of all time, the one who created time but sits outside of time, is not confined to time, so what happened in time is for all time. You understand what I just said? Good, because I don't. So when God does something in ancient Israel, it's not an irrelevant story that happened to an ancient people in a land far, far away a long time ago. It has absolute relevancy to us today. The wonderful thing about the Old Testament is this, that when we read the stories, we are actually having dramatized before us what it looks like when a people cooperate with God by faith and what happens when they don't. And so we get to see it all played out, and we, all we have to do to have things like that happen for us is do what they did, right? Because God still respects faith. He's not a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of faith. Which is why Smith Wigglesworth would say God would pass over a thousand churchgoers, he called them Christians, to get to one believer. In other words, he'll pass over a thousand fakers to get to one who's authentically believing. Amen? And when he finds that one, he'll do great and extraordinary things. So as we read this story about Jericho this morning, I don't want you to think, well, that's a long, long time ago because it has absolute relevancy to us today. And what we need to understand is that if we are kingdom folk, how many of you are kingdom folk? Let me see if I'm preaching to the right group of people. Meaning you're, you're born again, you're in the kingdom of God, right? Not of Satan anymore. You've translated out of that and into this. Well, you and I will never reach a place in our evolution of Christianity where faith is no longer a necessity. There's different levels of our walk, right? You, you, when you first come to Christ, you come to Him as a believer. That takes faith. It takes faith to believe He's the risen one. And then after you have stepped into the level of a believer, you're offered the opportunity to step into a higher level of follower. After you have become a follower, you're, 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 you're offered the opportunity to be promoted to disciple. No matter what level you're at, faith will always be required. Less, less, entry level or high level, whether you're just beginning or you're the greatest apostle the planet's ever known, faith is required. God will never, hear me when I say this, God will never grant you a life that faith is not required. To walk by God mean, to walk with God means we're walking by faith. At the moment we start walking by sight and no longer by faith, at that place, you and God parted company. You didn't didn't walk away from his love because there ain't nowhere. David said this, if I make my bed in hell, you're there. So there's nowhere you're ever going to go. His love isn't with you, but you're not walking with him anymore when you start walking by sight 
because he's a faith God, not a sight God. Amen? So faith is always required. So we'll never outgrow our need of faith. If, if, if you come to church and the pastor says, we're going to preach on faith, and you think, oh boy, here we go again, I know it. No, you don't. Because faith is always exciting, because it's by faith that we gain entrance into all the wonderful promises of grace. We want the grace promises, right? We want grace. I want that unmerited favor. I want things to happen in my life I don't earn, that I can't possibly deserve. I want God to do above and beyond, exceedingly beyond anything I could ever hope to think or imagine. That's grace. But the way I get grace to work in my life is not by human effort. It's by faith. We can never earn that which is offered by grace. We can only get it by faith. So as we're walking by faith, I want you to understand that faith has two primary, not only, but primary uh, components. And, we need, and we'll see that so wonderfully in today's story. Faith sees and faith says. I want to say that again. Faith sees and faith says. And if we understand the seeing and the saying, I'm going to tell you straight up, there's nothing that can be withheld from you. There ain't a battle you'll ever lose. Well, I mean, sometimes the fight will be tight, but you ain't going to lose. If you understand faith sees and faith says. So let's go ahead and read our first verse in Joshua chapter 6. Verse 1, and before we read it, I want to say this. If you can't see it and you won't say it, you'll not enter into it. You gotta, you've got to have the ability to see and the willingness to say. Okay? So here we are. We're at Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. Now, the backstory you well know this. The children of Israel had come out of Egypt and... They had wandered around and around and around and around and around and around and for 40 years. That's a lot of round. And those who had rebelled and proved unbelieving, their bones were drying in the desert. The Joshua generation was now willing to enter into the promises of God. And this is where we find them about to do what should have been done a generation ago. And the first place they came to was a place called Jericho. And this is what it says in Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out and no one came in. Now, like so many things, you, you all have heard types and shadows, yeah? In the Old Testament, nothing's there just for historical data. Jericho means something to us, and we find its meaning in different levels. There's a symbolic meaning, and there's a strategic meaning. And they're both very important. The, the symbolic meaning is Jericho, it is said, means fragrance. It could be interpreted as a desirable fragrance, a place of desire, yes, sir. just desire. And so the symbolic meaning is this. The, you know, the Bible says that 
he, if you're soft and pliable before the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. That he withholds no good thing from those who walk uprightly and whose path and whose mannerisms please him. So God's not anti-desire. He wants to fulfill your desires because desires fulfilled, the Bible says, is a tree of life. It's hope deferred that makes one's heart sick. But when the desire is fulfilled, there's a life that comes into the person that achieves the desires. Well, this is the reason why so many of your desires seem to be so tightly shut up. Because the enemy doesn't want you to have a, a, a full life. He wants you to have a sick heart. And there are times when it seems that there's absolutely no movement, no momentum, no way in to the place of our desires. Am I the only one that's ever felt like those desires will never come to pass? There ain't no way there from here. And that, that, in one way, that's, that's what Jericho was telling the children of Israel. You ain't getting this one. You are, this desire, you're going to die without this desire being fulfilled. But there's another meaning of Jericho. Jericho had a very strategic place. And this is huge as well. I'm just laying the groundwork. They couldn't avoid Jericho. Because if they avoided Jericho, they'd be leaving an enemy stronghold in the rear. And they would end up having to fight on two fronts. That would be a military disaster. They had to take Jericho. But Jericho had a record of being undefeated. I'm going to get to it in just a moment, but we've all heard the stories about the walls of Jericho. No one had ever breached these walls. They were undefeated. But they had to be defeated so that the children of Israel could proceed. And here's the lesson. This is a little rabbit, not a fast rabbit, so I'll catch it pretty quickly. The problem with many of us is that we would rather avoid than to conquer areas in our life. There are some things people don't even... Well, Pastor, my anger ain't a big issue. It is if it's costing you your promises. You you following me? There there, there are things in our lives we would rather avoid than confront. There's there's people in our lives we'd rather just not talk about them than divorce ourselves of them. And and so we wonder why the promises of God are never coming to pass. And that's because we're spending years trying to avoid something we need to conquer. You see, you don't get a lot of amens when you preach on things like picking up your cross. And yet Jesus said if you're unwilling to pick up your cross, you can't be his disciple. It's in there. No one likes to preach it because when we preach it, the place goes quiet, but it's still in there. There's there's, there's another place where Jesus said, if you love your mama more than you love me, if you love your daddy more than you love me, you're not worthy of me. That's still in there. there, See, there's still a thing that we have to die to ourselves in order to become who he called us to be. No one likes that because we all want to just have our cake and still look like Arnold. But there's a price we got to pay in order to become who God called us to be. And that is just simply divorcing ourselves of those things we don't need in our lives and conquering those things that constantly hold us back. There are some things you can't avoid. you got to confront. And until we confront it, we ain't going to get past it. 
But when we decide, you know what, my destiny is more important than my history, and if I have to let this one go or that one go, if i got to stop this habit and pick up that habit, whatever i got to do, I'm going to do because my desire is to become what he ordained me to be. So they couldn't avoid Jericho. It may have been easier to avoid Jericho, but they had to go through Jericho so that they shut the door on what would have vexed them in the future. And in some of our lives, we ain't shut the door yet. But when we shut the door, we'll find we're able to move on. Amen? So this is where they were. Now I want you to go to verse 2. Because this is, in in, in Joshua chapter 6, verse 2, the Lord speaks to Joshua. And this is where we're going to get started now. When the Lord between, in, 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 in verse number one and verse number two, I think Joshua was having some problems. Because Joshua was looking at a city that had never been defeated, whose walls had never been breached, whose obstacle could not be surmounted. Historians tell us that the towers of the wall were somewhere between 25 and 30 feet tall. Now, you got to know, in the ancient world, that's massive. That's huge, right? They didn't live in the age of skyscrapers. 30 feet off the ground was massive. The walls themselves were somewhere between 15 and 20 feet high and somewhere between 6 and 9 feet thick. It is said that they could ride horses on the top of the walls. And these walls stood there in full sight of Joshua. Brick upon brick, Uh still there. Joshua was looking at a city that had never been taken. Never, not even by great armies. And then we come to verse 2. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given you the city. Given, y'all with me? Past pretense. Already done. Now, see, this is where faith comes in, right? Because in the natural, when God said, see, take a look at, perceive, recognize, understand, that city's already yours. Wait a minute. Every window closed. Every door shut. The gates barred. The wall's still there. Every brick still upon brick. Ain't no movement. No one's coming in and no one's going out. That's what you see in the natural. But God says, take another look, Joshua. See? Everyone say see. See, you got to perceive some things by faith because in the natural it looks impossible. In the natural it looks like there's no movement. In the natural ain't no one ever done that in your family line and you ain't going to be the first. But if you can take another look through another set of eyes, no wonder the Bible says the just, the righteous, the faithful shall walk by faith and not by natural sight. Because in natural sight, it's all impossible. But by faith, nothing is impossible. So God is telling Joshua, take another look. Because when you look at it with your natural eyes, there ain't no way. 
but I want you to take another look, perceive it another way, because I've already given you that city. I've already given you the desires of your heart. I've already given you the promise. I've already made a way where there seems to be no way. I've already healed you. I've already promoted you. I've already made you whole. But in the natural, it don't look like you're all together, but in the spirit, you are. In the natural, it don't look like you're healed, but in the spirit, you are. The secret is to take another look. Oh, say, can you see? Because if you're not seeing it by faith, you're seeing a distorted picture. Hmm. So God was telling Joshua, you heard me say this a couple of weeks ago, to change his perspective. And remember I said, if you can change your perspective, you can change your position. But as long as you constantly see something as impossible, as long as you see something as immovable, if your mountain you don't think it can move, you know what? It won't. Because you don't live by my faith, and I don't live by your faith. Are y'all here? We're all called to live by the faith of the Son of God. And tell me one thing his faith didn't make possible. If you can show me one area where his faith failed, then I'd be willing to concede that might be impossible. I'd be willing to concede you might never do that, have that, be that. If you can show me one area where his faith failed. But if his faith, mm, if his faith never failed, and, and what I've been allowed to do is so die to self that the life I live is no longer me. I ain't living it, but I, the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Then now there is nothing impossible because I'm not speaking to the mountain in Jimmy's faith. I'm speaking to the mountain in Jesus' faith. You and I are not natural people. We are supernatural people, but far too often we pretend to be normal. This, I've said it to you many times. You might as well just divorce yourself from the right to be normal. Y'all are weird. Weird means marked by the supernatural. When you pray, things happen. When you lay your hands on the sick, they recover. When you talk to mountains, they obey. When you come into a room, the light turns on. That's who you is, so why pretend to be anything else? Take another look, and if that means take another look in the mirror. What do you see when you look in the mirror? If you see someone born to lose, that's the old you. If you see someone born and destined to poverty and sickness and disease and a short life and a miserable life on top of that, that's the old you. And when you came to Christ, what happened? Old things passed away. The new use recreated in the image of Christ. So when you look in the mirror, what you ought to see is one who's born to win. A, more than a conqueror. Someone who makes a difference everywhere they go. Someone of significance. Look in the mirror and just say, you're special. Amen? Well, pastor, I don't want to be narcissistic. No, it's not about being, it's not about ego, it's about confidence. Yeah. 
you are who he called you to be. You are what he named you. Amen. So this whole thing is to take another look to see. Stop seeing it as a desire that is unattainable. Stop seeing it as a gate that can never be opened. Now listen to this. You will miss what you can't see. What you can't perceive. What you can't recognize. And what you're unaware of. See, a lot of us, we pass right by opportunities because we looked at it in natural eyes. We walked right by our place of breakthrough, our point of deliverance, because we were so caught up in the flesh, we didn't see it in the spirit. Go to Matthew chapter 23, verse 37. I want to show you this. This is how dangerous it is to see something only according to the flesh. In, in Matthew chapter 23, verse 37, the Messiah is crying out, and this is what he says. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. Listen to this. How often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were unwilling. He was willing. They were unwilling. Even though they had stoned the prophets, he was still willing to gather them together to offer them shelter and protection and promotion. See, he's a God of grace. They deserved condemnation, but he didn't come to offer condemnation. He came to offer grace. Grace, grace. And he said, I wanted to pull you in tight and keep you safe, but you were unwilling. And so he says in verse 38, Behold, your house is being left to you desolate. Desolation, not by ordination. I want to say that God has not ordained not one of you to misery. God has not ordained any of us to sickness and poverty and death. He has ordained us to life. He has ordained us to joy. He has ordained us to strength. He has ordained us to love. But if we are going to enter into his provision, we've got to take another look. Oh, say, can you see? He said, I was willing, but you were not. Your house is left to you desolate. I want to show you why they were unwilling. Because they could not recognize him as the bishop of their souls. He could, they could not take another look. All they saw, can I, can I say this in church? It's a biblical word. All they saw was a bastard child. That's all they saw. They saw a child born out of wedlock. They all knew the story, but they didn't see the supernatural side of it. All they saw was child of sin. That's what they saw. And they could not recognize him as anything else. And this is what we see. If you go to Luke chapter 19, y'all with me? Luke chapter 19. See, some of you, you're too busy judging your neighbor according to the gender, their skin color, the type of car they drive, the type of house. And you don't even know if God didn't send that person to you to be the deliverer of your own situation. We're so busy judging one another according to our past and what we see with our natural eyes. I don't recognize the gift or the talent within you. And we got to repent of seeing each other according to the flesh because the Bible says we ain't supposed to see no one according to the flesh anymore. We're
each other according to the Spirit, and you might be the very one I prayed for, but in order for me to know that you're the answer to my prayers, i got to take another look and see each other differently. Luke chapter 19. This is the whole reason. Remember, their desolation was not by ordination. That's not what God desired for them. But it's what they were going to have because they could not recognize their opportunity. Luke 19, verse 44, out of the New American Standard. And they will level you to the ground and your children within you. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another. Why? By cause of the fact you did not recognize the time of your visitation. That word visitation actually means bishop. They didn't recognize that their bishop, their overseer, was in their midst. They did not recognize. The word recognize, is, is this okay this morning? If I ain't preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself, and that's okay. And there's more than one time I've preached to an audience of one. Wow. Means to recognate. Recognize means recognate. Cognate means to think. Yes. Right? Cognitive. Yes. Rethink what you see. Yes. Right? If I look at someone and my first impression is you're a stranger, huh? then when I take another look, it's like, no, I recognize what I rethought yes. your face. Now I recognize you. They could not rethink who he was. They could not see him as anything other than their preconceived idea of who he was, where he came for, and how he was born. And because they failed to recognize the one who is doing signs and wonders and preaching life in their midst, their city was going to be left to them desolate. Oh, that could not happen if it was not God's ordination. Oh, please keep your religious opinion to yourself. Not everything that happens is the will of God. Because there's a great many things God wills that never come to pass because of the stubbornness of people. It's God's will that none should perish. That's his stated will, that none would perish, but that all would come to everlasting life. But there are many that were stubbornly hold on to the right to go to hell. Amen. Did God will that? No, no. Did God will you to sickness? No, no because the stripes were laid upon his back to make you well. You God's preach. ordination is healing, and don't let anyone with a Ph.D., an R.I.P., or D.D.D., talk you out of that. What's that mean? Nothing. That's what all those degrees mean. Are y'all following me? If the Word of God says a thing, that settles it. I don't need a doctor of theology to tell me that God has left the throne. I don't need someone with a whole history of religiosity to tell me God ain't still good. God is a good God because He saved this miserable person. Luke chapter 19, verse. is this okay this morning? You, when you and I begin to see that all we, we begin to understand, i got to take another look at my life. i got to take another look at the opportunities around me. Because God ain't against me, He's for me. 
And I know somewhere there's the path to my prosperity. I know somewhere there's a path to my holiness. I know somewhere there's a path to my, a path to my wholeness. I need to just quit, take another look. When you look around your life, what do you see? When you look into your future, what do you see? Well, Pastor, I don't see nothing but hopelessness. That's okay, baby. There's hope for you. You just need some vitamins. I think I, I prescribed for you vitamin W and two vitamin P's. What's that mean? I'll tell you. You need some word. You're feasting too much on nightly news and Facebook and Instagram. What you need is to hide some word in your heart. Because without his word, you're just lacking the supplements you need to live a healthy spiritual life. So I prescribe to you some vitamin W. Get some word in you. And then the two vitamins P, do some praise and some prayer. And I had, when, I, when I'm talking about praise, you don't need to put on high energy music. You just need to get alone in your closet. Lift up those holy hands and just worship him authentically. You don't need to fake it. Just get in there and just worship him and begin to thank him that his love is towards you, his grace is for you, that there is more that are with you than those that are against you and begin to declare the word of God over your life. And when you step out and you take a look around, you might see angels all the way around. And they've been there the whole time. We just couldn't recognize. So let's look at this out of the contemporary English. Luke chapter 19, verse 44. You did not see that God had come to save you. I remember years ago I heard a spiritual father say, it's impossible for two or three of God's people to gather together and God not be in the midst. But it is possible for God to be in the midst and not be recognized by his own people. Yeah, say la. If we have gathered together, he's here. He's here, right? You know who's in this room right now? Jesus, the Messiah. He's here right now. And if you feel hopeless in his presence, if you feel like it's all doom and gloom and bleak and ain't nothing, the Messiah, the Savior of the world is right here in our midst. There ain't no reason to be hopeless in his midst. Because what can he not do? Woo. I'm preaching myself happy. See, the more we get to understand this, there's no more blue Mondays, more, no more depressed Tuesdays. We, when we begin to understand his love, his grace, and what he's already done for us, and that that very thing that looks like it's been shut up tight. Don't, I haven't forgot about Jericho. We're going back to Jericho. Because Jericho's got to come down, man. I'm talking the walls of Jericho are going to fall before the service is over. But you and I need to understand that, that if we appreciate all that he's done for us, oh, we'll still have battles. Because there will still be those who oppose you. There will still be giants. There will still be Jerichos. There will be things you have to overcome. But when we know who he is and what he is in us and who he's made us to be in him, there's no such thing as an impossibility. That giant may sit there and laugh at me for 40 days. But come day 41, I'm going to show everyone I know how to get ahead. Yes, sir. 
Read the story. You'll understand what I just said. Let me read the same verse to you, and then we'll move on out of the Amplified Version. And they will dash you down to the ground. You, Jerusalem, and your children within you, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another, all because you did not come progressively to recognize and know and understand from observation and experience the time of your visitation. That is when God was visiting you. The time in which God showed himself gracious towards you and offered you salvation through Christ. To recognize means to know again. Everyone say, I can see. Hmm. Now let's go back to Joshua, verse 2, chapter 6. The Lord said to Joshua, See, recognate what you see as walls that cannot be broken. I see as already down. And all God is saying is see things the way I see them. See, I, I, I don't want to chase too many rabbits, but some of you have heard me share the story the first time the Lord allowed me to see people through His eyes. And what an emotional wreck it made me for days when I saw. I finally got to see people the way God sees you. And y'all got no idea how beautiful you are. Because you look in the mirror and you believe their lies about your flaws. And you think that those scars and of your heart and even of your flesh somehow diminish your beauty. But I want to tell you, in the eyes of the Father, there's nothing about you that's unlovely. Oh, the religious people will absolutely flip a lid at that. But the truth of the matter is, when God sees you, you are altogether lovely, altogether beautiful, altogether whole, altogether loved. Because He sees you not through the eyes of the law, he sees you through the eyes of His Son. He sees you through the eyes of grace. And He sees you as completely worthy of every good thing. This is the reason why the Bible says He will withhold no good thing from you, but He richly gives you all things to enjoy because His heart's desire is to spoil you. When we understand that it's the prosperity... And that means complete wholeness yes. of His servants that gives Him pleasure. Yes. I don't know about you, but I do not want to deny my loving Father any pleasure. No. And so if He has to bless me to be happy, here I am I, Lord. Yes. Who am I to deny God pleasure? Who are you to deny God pleasure? Let His will be done. See, I've already given you the city. See, listen, I wrote that. You see Jericho as an immovable obstacle, an impenetrable fortress, an insurmountable mountain. But re-image it. See it another way. I've already given you the city. What the thing that you desire, saints, hear me. He's already given you. Now, it'll take some effort. God will give you the path. But do not confuse. Is this okay this morning? Good, Never confuse effort with earning. You can't earn it. No, sir. But there will be effort involved, and the effort involved is called the walk of faith. Yes. Whatever He says to you, just do it. Yes. 
You're not earning it because it's already done. But what he wants you to do is take a step of faith. He wants you to see it because, listen, what you see, you always move towards. That's right. I used to ride motorcycles all the time. And my wife said one time she was behind me and she got a little bit concerned because I was going from one side of the road to the other. And the problem was I was riding through the mountains and I kept getting distracted. And I'd be like, oh, that's beautiful. Because you always, y'all are missing a point. You always move toward that which you're looking at, right? So if you, if you can see, oh, that's my path, that's my opportunity, that's my mountain, give me my mountain, because I've always wanted to live in the cliffs. So Lord, give me a mountain so I can go up high and be like Jefferson moving on up. And it doesn't matter whether it's the east side, west side, north side, just go where, wherever your heart's desire is. Amen. If you walk in a way that he is not withholding that from you. Amen, brother. The effort is a step of faith. Yes. But I ain't earning it because it's already mine. You can't earn what you've already got. Is this making sense to you? So when God spoke to Joshua, in the natural, everything was still the way it was. But God said, take another look. Take another look. And when you see the thing as doable, you'll attempt it. I got another rabbit to chase. Years, pastor Willie George out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, started off as a, as, as a children's pastor. And at that time, in the charismatic word of faith circles, there really was no curriculum or anything like that that taught faith. So Pastor Willie George, as a children's minister, had to write his own curriculum. And then in the process of time, the Lord told him to start a church, and it quickly became one of America's fastest-growing churches. He grew, in one year, he grew by 1,000 people in one year. And last time I heard of anything, they were running about 40,000. He'll make it someday if he keeps plugging away. Well, when he first started, he, he, he found himself in need of $50,000. And this is when 50,000 was really 50,000. Still 50,000. And when he prayed, the Lord, listen to this, the Lord said, I've already given you the money. So Willie, when he's sharing the story, he thought, I've already got it. That means somebody mailed me the check. Every day he would run out to his mailbox thinking there's going to be a $50,000 check in my mailbox because the Lord said, I already got it. So he'd run out there every day, and every day he'd get disappointed. Then he kept checking with the church secretary, did anyone drop 50 grand in the offering? No, sir, they dropped five, but no 50. And so as days went on, he would keep praying about it, and he kept getting more and more disappointed, desperate. And every time he prayed, the Lord said, I've already given you the money. And he said one time in sharing the story, he said, well, Lord, if you've already given it to me, you hit it so well, I can't find it. He said he even went and flipped the cushions on the couch. Found some old peanuts and a couple dimes, but no check for 50 grand. But every time he prayed, the Lord said, I've already given it to you. See, he couldn't see it in the natural, but he could see it by faith. Because what kept rising up to him was my children's curriculum. His children's curriculum was nothing more than words on paper. But something in his spirit told him that that children's curriculum was worth $50,000.
So he talked to his wife about it, and his wife said, well, why don't you make some phone calls and see if anyone will buy it from you? He made so y'all with me this morning. Yes, see, I'm talking your life is yes, filled sir. with opportunities, but you're so busy looking at obstacles, you don't see the opportunities. All around you is provision. All around you are channels of income. And all you and I got to do is take another look. These aren't bad days for those who walk by faith. That's right. Huh? I've talked to different business people and they have said COVID's been very good to them. And I don't mind telling you, we've gained a whole lot of new people because other churches won't open up. COVID been very good to us. Because I refuse to give in to the bad because God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. If God causes all things to work together for your good, then why are you declaring it impossible or bad? You might not know how, we don't need to know how, but all we got to do is say, somehow, someway, this is turning out for my good. Amen. When I come out of this storm, I'm coming out in a higher place. Yes, so Willie George, he made some phone calls, and they all said, man, I would love to have some of that. And so he set a price, and he, got, he started Xeroxing. And he said he wore out the first Xerox machine. He had to get another Xerox machine. He blew right by the 50,000. $150,000. Quarter of a million. You all seeing what I'm saying? You see, that's a small thing, but despise not the day of small beginnings. Because what you think is only a piece of paper, somebody might be willing to give you a million dollars for that thing. Hmm. Now, Willie George just spent $26 million on his children's wing. Come on now. Take another look. Joshua chapter 6, verse 3. I got five minutes and four more pages. <clears throat> Joshua chapter 6, verse 3. You shall march around the city. All the men of war circling the city once. You shall do so for six days. And seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Then on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall be that when they make a long blast with a ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up every man straight ahead. Now God gave Joshua steps to take. Remember I told you effort is always the step of faith. And many times we rebel against what the Lord tells us to do because in the natural what he tells us to do is illogical. But if it's spiritual, it won't make sense to the flesh. Just because it doesn't make any sense to the flesh doesn't mean that's not what you're supposed to do. What you're supposed to do is obey him. If he tells you to step out of a perfectly good boat and you don't, you may be missing an opportunity to walk on water. If he tells you to give your last five in an offering and you don't, you might be missing your opportunity for breakthrough because there might have been somebody in that church that had 50 grand in their pocket waiting to give it to you. Well, pastor, I just don't think that's very likely. That's your problem. I don't think that's very possible. That's your problem. Because there are people all around you that have the ability to bless you. What we need to do is take another look. 
See things through the eyes of the Spirit. Is this making sense to you? So what God told Joshua to do, don't you know the people in Jericho thought these folks are nuts? They're walking around the city and not making a sound. Yes. They've seen lots of people try to take the city. They ain't never seen anyone do this before. Whatever he says to you, do it. And, and, and I, I have been in the ministry long enough now to recognize, realize, and appreciate that the Holy Spirit is very good at what he does. And when people have sat down for counseling with me, many times with tears in their eyes, saying, Pastor, I want this, or I want that, I want to be used in the gifts, I want this, and I'll ask them, what is the Lord telling you to do? What is the Lord telling you to do? They almost always know. Almost always they know. They didn't recognize it, but when you poke and you prod and you, they'll say, well, the Lord's telling me to do this. Or the Lord's telling me to stop doing that. So they know what to do. Yes, sir. It's, not, it's not that they don't know, it's that they don't want to. I'm trying to help y'all. Oh, that's all right. Whatever he says to you, yeah. just do that. Yes. If he says, I want you to get involved here, get involved there. If I want you to give this, give that. Because God ain't trying to get nothing from you. He's trying to get everything to you. Hmm. So God tells them what to do. Now listen. He gives them steps. Here's four things the Bible says. The willing and obedient are those who shall eat the good of the land. The Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. I've already quoted it, but the Bible says whatever he says to you, do it. And another thing the Bible says is why sit we here till we die? Come on now. So the, listen, breakthrough requires effort. That doesn't mean it's earned. It just means you're obeying. The Lord told them what to do and the people will shout with a loud cry. In the kingdom, you will always see it with your spirit before you see it with your eyes. And when you see it, the question is, will you say it? Are you willing to say, that's mine? Are you willing to say, I am that, even before you are? Are you willing to say you're prosperous while you still look broke? Can you see it? Can, oh, come on now. I'm about, can, y'all are far too quiet. Can you see yourself whole? Can you see your... Listen... Can you see every enemy of your life failing? Can you see every weapon formed against you not prospering? Can you see everything you put in your hand to prospering? Can you see it? Can you see yourself walking in the fullness of His promises? Can you see everything being yours and nothing being withheld from you? Can you see desire fulfilled? If you can see it, are you willing to say it? Wow. Because these are two primary components. Well, pastor, not everyone's going to understand if I start declaring something I don't have yet. Well, that didn't stop Joshua. They shouted when the walls were still up. Do you remember me telling you about the children of Israel when they had to go through the Red Sea? And that according to the rabbis in, 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 in Jewish history, that the waters didn't, no matter what Charleston Heston portrayed, the waters did not 
depart while they were still safely on the beach. According to Jewish wisdom, the water was lapping up to their lips. Meaning they had to trust God to the point of no return. Meaning if my mouth and my nostrils go underwater, you said go, I'm going. And so they marched out. Ankle deep, nothing changed. Waist deep, nothing changed. Chest deep, God, right now, y'all ever felt like this way? Right now it'd be about a good time for you to do what you said you're going to do. Because the water's getting awfully high. And then when it gets up to your, right about here, tickling your Adam's apple, God, right about now would be a really good time. Because I'm about, just keep on walking, baby, I got you. I got your back. It's up at my chin. Before you go under, God will part those waters. But what he wants to know is, are you going to trust him all the way out? Mm. You march around the walls one time, ain't nothing changed. You march around the walls again. How long are you going to do that? Well, God said the city's mine, so I guess I'll do this till the walls fall. I'm preaching a smile on my own face here. Because I know that if I will do what God told me to do, there will not be one desire. I will not go to my grave with unfulfilled desires. I will not go to my grave with unmanifested visions. I will not go to my grave with unrealized dreams. Because if he said it, he'll do it. Amen. Hmm. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. I'm going to hurry up now. But having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. Everyone say, the spirit of, the spirit of faith speaks. If you have the spirit of faith, you're speaking your faith. Can I get up underneath your makeup for a minute? Come on. Yes. If you ain't speaking faith, you're not operating by a spirit of faith. I know, I felt that one right back there too. Sometimes ouch is as good as amen. Because I can know what spirit I'm of by what's coming out of my mouth. I'm speaking faith. I don't need everyone to agree. I don't need everyone to understand. All I need to know is what's written. And if it's written, then my uncertainty is unnecessary. And I'm going to speak it. Why? Because it's mine. I can see it. I'm going to say it until it manifests. And then I go on to the next thing. Romans chapter 10, verse 10. For with the heart a person believes, adheres to, trusts in, and relies on Christ. And so is justified, declared righteous, and acceptable to God. And with the mouth he confesses, listen to this, declares openly and speaks out freely his faith. Declares openly and speaks out freely his faith. Oh, say, can you see? And if you see, will you say? I'm telling you how to take Jericho. Now, this, this word salvation here in the Greek is soteria. It's the sum total of all the benefits and the blessings. Mm, can you see yourself walking in the sum total of every promise? 
If not, why not? Because the Bible says all of the promises of God are yes, yes. and amen. amen. So can you see yourself nothing lacking? Can you see yourself with nothing missing? Yeah. We got to see it, babe. Yeah. We got to see it. Yeah. We got to get beyond our history. Okay. I know you've gone through 40 years of battle, but can you see yourself victorious? Can you see yourself walking in a winning way? Can you see yourself standing in the winner's circle? And if you can see it, will you say it? Yes. We say, no, I'm not destined to fail. Uh -uh. My business is not going down. My church, I, I, we met someone in a store the other day, and they, 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 said, they said, they said, they said, did real life church make it? <laughs> I said, what? I wanted to say, how dumb can you get and still breathe? Did real life church, did they, and what he wanted me to say was, no, we had to close the doors. Mm -hmm. That's what he wanted to say. No, sir. I said, baby, we ain't never had it so good. Amen. <laughs> These are the best days yeah. of our lives. So and that's the, and so far, because it only gets gooder and gooder. And this is what you ought to say when they come up to you and they say, did your business fail? Come on now. Did the doctor give you a death report, did he? <laughs> You're going to die, aren't you? No. See, everyone wants you to be miserable because it justifies their condition. That's right. And what you ought to do is look them square in the eyes and say, get behind me, Satan. God is for me, not against me. Every word he speaks over me is good. He has nothing but good intentions for me, and I'm walking in the paths of God, which is leading me to the place of increase. I, listen, y'all can be more tactful than that, I understand, but... I don't... People rejoice. You see, David had to deal with that. David, David all the time said, Lord, they, they, they want me to die. They're, they're, they're hoping that you're going to abandon me. They're hoping I'm going to spend the rest of my days in this cave. Lord, I need you to show them that I'm your chosen man. I need you to show them that I'm ordained to be the king of Israel. I'm coming out of this cave and I will dance before the congregation of the Lord again. That ought to be you and me. You ought to tell them, no, my business ain't a dead. My dreams ain't a gone. Shandala Bataye. Verse 16, I'm a hurrying because we still got to receive the offering, right? At the seventh time, when the priest blew the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout! For the Lord has given you the city. So the people shouted. The walls were still in place, y'all. But the people shouted. Why? Because Joshua heard from God. And Joshua repeated to the people what he had heard from God. God told Joshua, I've given you the city. But Joshua told the people, God gave you the city. Yes, sir. So go ahead and shout. Yes, and all the people went, ah! <laughs> now, now, how the walls fell. We don't really know. There are some that say the walls crumbled. But there are others, and I believe these, they said the walls sank. Because the Bible does say they'll go straight in. Not they'll walk around rubble, they'll go straight in. So I really do believe that these walls just literally, as if a giant hand came down and pressed 
the walls and to the ground. Because the Bible says the mountains will be made low and the valleys will be filled in so that your path is straight. And I believe that the, the people of can you imagine that when it just went awesome? Awesome, brother. Awesome, brother. Wait, these walls were unclimbable. Yeah, we don't gotta climb them when they sink. These walls were unbreakable. They still unbreakable. They just going down. And the people of Israel went in and took the cities. Mm. Hallelujah, Father. Where was I? Where was I? I got to hurry up. Is this okay this morning? I'll close with this. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What we learn from this story here is this, y'all. There's no such thing as an impossibility. It doesn't matter if no one's ever done it before. You could be the first in your family to do it. It doesn't matter if anyone's ever built a business before. You can be the first. It doesn't matter if no one's ever wrote a book before. You can be the first. It doesn't matter if anyone's ever sang a song before. You can be the first. It doesn't matter if anyone in your church has ever seen a miracle. You can upset them by laying your hands on the sick and seeing them recover. You can be the first one in your whole family to ever see the blind receive their sight. There's no such thing as an impossibility. It doesn't matter how tightly the devil has shut it up. It doesn't matter that there's no momentum and there's no movement. You don't need natural movement when you've got an almighty God. What then? This is Romans chapter 8. What then shall we say to all of this? If God is for us, who can be against us? What shall we say to all of this? What do we say about all this nonsense going on in our nation? If God be for us, what do we say about the negative reports and the bad news? If God be for us, who can be against us? Who can be our foe if God is on our side? He who did not withhold or spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also with him freely and graciously give us all other things? Can you see it? Then what shall we say to all these things? These are good days. These are breakthrough days. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice. This ain't rejoicing. Rejoicing kind of has a... Ain't too proud to beg, sweet darling. Don't you leave me. Girl, don't you go. Because if I got to beg and plead for your sympathy, what's that got to do with anything? Nothing. I just want to show you my chops. What shall we say to these things? What shall we say when the enemy will say, you ain't coming in here? You're never going to get promoted to this position. You're never going to occupy this place. You're never going to have a life without lack. You're never going to know a day without pain. What do we say to these things? If God be for us, then it really doesn't matter who's against us. 
Amen. Go ahead and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah, Father. All right, what we're going to do is receive our offering, then my announcers are going to come. Why don't you go ahead and come now?